0: Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, a.k.a. Joke Modiac.
1: And I am your other host, DM Mitch, a.k.a. No is Needed.
2: I am your other host for this episode, DM Chris, a.k.a. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And today
0: we have the third and final set of top tens. The thing you all know and love so much. And hopefully you will know and love all these wonderful ideas that Mitch has. Yeah. I feel like it's harder and easier for him as the third person going because... I certainly had more time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And hopefully Chris and I stole all your ideas. So hopefully we made it harder
2: there was there was one of them that's for sure we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah uh but before we do that we have this was our 500th review on apple Podcasts. podcast so this, yeah this one holds a really special place in all of our hearts it's entitled number 500 question mark by messiah moose and it says took me too long to write this been listening for years sorry uh, I began this podcast soon after a certain online campaign relit my fire for D&D. I was going to start a club with students because, you know, no one to play with, uh, and was a bit overwhelmed and frankly not up to the task creatively. You folks not only have excellent ideas, but encourage and inspire creativity as well. I still feel like I fall short more often than not, but every episode has something you can lift, drop into a session, and create something memorable. Thanks. Well, thank you, Messiah Moose, for being our 500th Apple podcast review. We're super thrilled that uh, you've been listening for so long. It's awesome.
1: Man, all I can think of is Bullwinkle, the character of Bullwinkle. Oh, yeah. Dressed up as Jesus with that name.
0: (laughs) And all I can think is Invader Zim. Say Moosey fate. Say Moosey fate. I didn't think anything about moose other than (laughs) they're
2: from like Alaska and stuff. So you guys got me beat creatively. One last thing before we jump into the meet friends, be sure to get questions in because next week is our AMA uh, episode that will be coming out. We want to have as many questions as possible so that you guys can get to know us uh, the hosts of the Dungeon Master Block as much as possible. So be sure to get those in. You can email them to us. Uh, we would love to be able to have those read to us and answer them on the upcoming episode. I realized later,
1: after we put out this calling, that it's really an AUA, right? Because it's ask us mm-hmm. anything. But that just doesn't yeah. roll off the doesn't tongue. Doesn't roll
2: off the tongue as well. well. Yeah. But what does roll off the tongue as well? Yes. Is it's time for the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat back on the menu, boys. All right, well, here we are in the juicy, delectable portion of the episode, The Meat. And today, Mitch, you are bringing us a top ten list. Of campaign ideas, things that people can put into their uh, homebrew campaigns or or just any campaign in general. So, start us off with your number ten. A lot of
1: my top tens are actually what I realized they're kind of like settings for, well, for their settings or even like campaign worlds. And so, my first, my my last one, my. 10 is entitled because you know with my 10 it's got to always have a fancy title sick turtle so the idea is there's all that mythology in that we have in the real world that uh, some religions believed that the world itself rested on the back of some sort of mythical creature you know the constant is like the the turtle is the one that people think of but so if your world If your homebrew world rests on the back of some mythical creature, whether it's a turtle or it's a giant ox or whatever it is, this whole idea is that that creature starts to get like fatally sick. Like, they are starting to die from some sort of illness. And if the whole entire world rests on the back of this creature, then in my mind, I think that that would start to affect the world in general. Like, maybe the trees, all the the plant life would start dying. Maybe all the animals that eat the plants would start getting sick, and then all the carnivores would start getting sick from eating those animals. Just seeing the repercussions of this world creature getting sick and so that's that's a setting, but also uh, a call to adventure for your PCs to go out and figure out what it is that's killing this world beast.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a fun idea. I mean, I, I think you can, if it's not going to be an entire world beast, I think you can shrink it down smaller, mm-hmm. too. And you could have, like, maybe islands in your world are made hmm. up this way, right? And so one island gets sick and starts to die, and these people move to a different island and start to inhabit that one with people that are already existing there. And they tell them like, yeah, we moved here because the Island that we had, things just started dying. But maybe it's so large that people don't know that the islands are actually creatures that these are on the back of. And all of a sudden the same disease starts to happen on this Island. And the stories that these people were telling when they came here, now they're starting to see. And it's like, okay, something's weird about this. Like, we don't know why that's happening. Or, the people that were coming to the island are then kicked off the island by the people that inhabited it already because they're like no you guys are cursed get out of here like this is this is not <laughs> something that's good for us we didn't do anything to deserve this you brought this with you you know so i think there's a bunch of like fun little aspects maybe that's how they realize that the the islands are on the backs of creatures is because they start to figure these things out or they start to find their way underneath you know the island they're doing some diving things to see if they can figure something out and they discover this is a massive turtle that this land is on i think there's some fun fun opportunities there for them
0: well the other thing i was thinking obviously using a creature like this most likely your timelines are very long and so then that's why people that live there don't really understand what's happening but what if there's a younger one and so as Mm -hmm. one dies another one kind of takes its place, but then you're still doing that same concept of like, well, we have to move over there, but who can move over there? It's, is it large enough? Is it not? But that's just how the ecology of the world works, and that's terrifying.
1: That's so crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to think of like creating, whether it's like they discover that that's what's happening, or they know that from legends, and so now they're building these spelljammer-esque airships right because they got to travel through the cosmos because the the great turtle is going to give birth and that smaller world turtle is going to be floating out in the cosmos and they have to get mm-hmm. to it they have to escape their world turtle to get to the other yeah. one. Oh man yeah like some evacuation airships
2: <laughs> yeah that's i yeah i think that's disturbingly disgusting (laughs) all at the the same time but then it's like who gets to go like does the governments decide that but then you're not just bringing like technology with you that will work the same like you just are you're gonna have to become super primitive again and try and figure all these things out because maybe all of the same natural resources that you had been using are no longer available and the the Mm -hmm. technology that you have is no longer sustainable you know yeah i feel
1: like there's a like you you could tell it as a like allegory of how how we as humans have like messed up the earth like taking like natural resources right you could sure. totally be
2: like sit back after the campaign
1: and be like let's have a discussion based off of this campaign but uh, Yeah I think that's a fun <laughs> idea Mitch
2: uh, I'm excited what's your what's your number 9 for us
1: So my number 9 comes off of the idea of you know we have a lot of listeners who have listened to our show and been before they listened to their show this show or after they started listening to the show creating their own homebrew worlds. And I have to imagine that not everyone out there has been like,, ah, like I'm totally cool with creating one homebrew world and just sticking to that. Like probably there are some listeners who have created multiple worlds. Maybe they've engaged in multiverse uh, adventures. And so this one's called Bridge of Worlds. And if you want to create a new setting, a new world uh, with different races, different uh, continents, whatever it is, but this is a idea for a setting that bridges those two worlds. And so maybe you can introduce that new world through your already established world. And so that's a window in the air appears or it's created revealing an entirely different world. And then the city that that world is that world window is near they start the construction of a bridge to go through that window to the other world and to explore and that can be the beginning of a campaign where you take characters from one world and bring them into a new one for the ultimate exploration campaign that is
0: terrifying so i'm trying to think when There's different ways. I mean, so it's whatever the person wants to think. So I will say how I think of it, because a lot of times when this is used, it's like you look up and it's basically a city pointing down at you. I think a more interesting way to do it that kind of turns that on its head is that there is literally a window set in the sky. And the easy way to differentiate is that when it's day, it's night. When it's night, it's day, and so you can't see what's there. You don't see terrain. You don't see people. So, and then the idea of a more traditional style bridge being built, and then getting finally getting high enough to see into this window. and then what do you
2: find? Yeah, I mean, I I, my mind immediately went to what's on the inside of it. You know, I mean, there's so much possibility there. You could, you could almost like create an entire. so th- this is where my mind went. The inside of there, it's like a journey from one place to the other, like a, almost like a platformer sort of game, where there's very dis- defined uh, parameters in which you can go, and you know. Uh, but in there, I like the idea of there being either like one big town that you have to stop to along the way, or one small town where there's a species of creatures that only live in these bridge between two worlds. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they could be. Like, it could be something fun that you create on your own who have adapted to it. But, you know, I think that could be something that's really fun. Like, these entire species of people that you meet for the first time and you never see them anywhere else ever because they only live in this kind of time and space between worlds. Um, But you could also mess with time as well. Like, when you go one direction, does time speed up? But you don't know that it's sped up. Because you're going to a different world that doesn't it doesn't operate the same way. Time
1: doesn't work the same. Yeah. It's it's slower there or it's faster there. Yeah, you have
2: no reference, you have no point of reference. You just come out, you know, and it's hey, we're in this new place. But when you go back, does it speed up again or does it slow down on the way back? Or, you know Yeah, when you come back, did you lose time or was it like what do you mean you've
1: been gone for three years? You literally just left.
2: Right. Right, because there's always that element of exploration where you have to lose something, right? Like, you always lose time if you travel into the wilderness that you could be spending with family or friends or whatever. So I don't know why traveling between multiverses wouldn't be any different, you know? So adding that time element in there. But it also gives you the ability for time to either move faster or does one of these time rewind for you? You know, that could be really interesting, too. Like, you get to now go back and you have information about things that are going to happen in your world that haven't yet happened because you already lived them but because of this travel things have moved backwards in time that there's so many fun things that you could do with what happens when they travel in between the two places
1: yeah you brought up you brought up meeting a new a new race entirely and that's something that kind of spurred this idea because uh, you know in creating autos my own homebrew world there have been times where there'll be a race that comes out through whether it's like an official D&D book or uh, through like something that old Press makes or something and I'm like oh that's a cool race but I don't know if I like the idea of them being part of the world of Atos like but it, like I feel sad that like you know if I feel that way then that's not going to be a race that we're going to explore or a creature that we're going to explore in my world and this kind of like opens literally opens the door to explore those things and be like but it's a different world and so now you can have those interactions and it kind of still allows you to be like I don't see them fitting into my world that I've created but why not a different world that I'm going
0: to create obviously it's trolls they live under a bridge so clearly it's (laughs) an intelligent
2: race (laughs) it has to be trolls well and then you could have you could have the trolls like I was just thinking more about the time aspect they could almost be like timekeepers. So like you could ask them to do either speed up time or slow down time for you while you're going through this, but it, but it, oh man, but it requires, it (laughs) it requires you to do something for them in the land that you're going to travel to. You know, you have to get them certain amount of resources so they can survive in this bridge because they can't leave, you know?
1: Yeah. All I'm picturing now is trolls in tuxedos with monocles and top hats. And I'm (laughs) enthralled with this idea and i don't know how we got here from a bridge of worlds but that's fantastic
2: (laughs) all right let's see how we can screw up your number eight idea mitch
1: all right so my number eight i entitled plague of the feywild so we all know that creatures of the feywild are like these extreme emotion based creatures so like red caps are just filled with rage and murderous bloodlust. You have pixies that are chaotic and love to pull pranks. And I came up with this idea that a plague has spread from the Feywild into the material plane. And what's happening is those who are contracting this plague, uh, the people and creatures that are, whether it's like some you know in my mind i'm picturing pixie dust like spreading across the fields right but that they're breathing it in they're contracting this this disease this plague they start to turn into agents of their most prevalent emotion or personality trait and so the world around you is is falling into chaos because of that you know that that shopkeeper who's uh, kind of greedy he's becoming a complete and total creature of greed now that um warrior that that barbarian that's filled with rage is becoming <laughs> like a hulk like monstrosity because this plague is affecting him and the idea that i think that i really like about this as like an adventure is the idea of having your pcs become infected and throwing it out to them to be like, listen, like I'm not going to tell you how fast or how slow you're you're getting sick. I'd like that to be something that you control and you decide what emotion and what changes you're going through. But like to really give them the agency to play through that and see what creatures they become and do their physical appearances change because of that as well.
0: It's like a terrifying Star Trek episode. I wouldn't know. I've never seen that Star Trek. So. So in the, yeah, it works really well because you could also have a player that lacks emotion. Mm-hmm. In the case of Star Trek oh, The Next Generation, nice. Data ends up being they're the one the that's kind of still... Mm-hmm, yeah. And they're still there. So if you had a character that plays more emotionless, that maybe they have, they're have they taking longer. Like you said, you have a barbarian who's just, yeah, I'm in. And aka Worf, obviously. And they in that episode they start turning into creatures i would probably lean a little bit away from that because i don't know how fast i would want to tip my hand of it's the Feywild, wild mm-hmm. and so letting it be a thing that really plays on emotion rather than like there's also trees everywhere and things like that i, I so for me i would probably stay away from it.
1: Yeah, well, and that's totally up to you as the DM, right? Like, and how fast that starts mm-hmm. to change because it—I do picture it being at first it's just lashing out with different emotions, just being extreme. Like, dude, calm down! Like, you're so mad today. Like, take a chill pill. <laughs> like, but then eventually, maybe you start to see little red dots on like on their skin or something, and they're going through these changes. But maybe by then, you've even figured out what's going on.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it gives, like, a ton of potential plot hooks. Like, maybe because this is from the Feywild, they try all of, like, the methods the local apothecaries know to try and heal this. They try all of the, you know, crazy cleric spells of healing, but nothing's working because it's something from the Feywild specific Mm -hmm. that then people have to go on an adventure to get a specific ingredient that only grows in the Feywild that can help curb this, you know? Yeah. And or then the you have Shadow a whole Fel. bunch of crazy fun Ooh. that happens in the Feywild be- because of you know, there's crazy things that happen there that don't happen in the normal uh, material plane.
1: Yeah, or maybe the adventure is to go to the Shadowfell, which is like you know you're you're going to the opposite of the Feywild. Because oh you've got to bring back something that is going to dampen. <laughs> you have to release a different a
2: different disease yeah. <laughs> on the planet to, to level that, everybody I mean, out again. That could be
1: a crazy moral-like choice of, totally. like, this could work or this could backfire on us. Is this the choice we're going to make or are we going to keep looking, even though we know back at home chaos is ensuing?
2: Yeah planet altering decisions made by four players who aren't in control of any government (laughs) in the world. (laughs) That sounds like a great idea
0: or their own emotions.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're not probably, they're not going to be in complete control. Yeah.
2: Gosh. Yeah. I think that's, that's a fun idea. So, uh, Mitch, what is your number seven then for us?
1: So my number seven is entitled dangerous knowledge. So a while ago, I came across uh, lore surrounding Dungeons & Dragons about, and I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with this, Neil. You've been playing way longer than either of us have, so I assume you probably have, but around 10th-level magical spells. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this idea is that around the world, ancient tombs containing powerful 10th-level magical spells are being found. These spells are of godlike power levels, But each time one of these spells is cast, the universe pays a price. So I'm thinking kind of like tears in the fabric of reality every time one of these god-like level spells is being used. But of course, there are going to be people out there finding these tombs and that's not going to be their concern their concern is going to be rise to power so that's kind of a setting idea that i feel like you know you could you could change how your world
2: is being affected with just these tombs that start to pop up everywhere yeah i mean it sounds like it almost sounds like there's like a magical arms race that's starting Mm, at that point that you're trying to Like, like all of the countries of the world are trying to either, one, figure out how to combat against these things, or two, are sending people out to find them either for nefarious reasons or because they want to store them and not have them ever be used. You know, I think there's that element of it. I also think, like, this could be where your bridge idea comes in. Like, every time one of those is created, like, one of Mm. those windows opens as well, and you have no idea what's going to happen but because it was so powerful it it tore a rift in the fabric of you know the planes and now because you cast a 10th level spell who knows what's on the other side it could be something far more dangerous you know
1: oh yeah it could be another city that wants to yeah wants to like trade with you it could be this the sky opens and demons start flooding out exactly totally Yeah. yeah
2: and that could be the repercussion of it you just don't know what happens because these tenth level spells are being cast. but then it's also like what happens with your players if they get their hands on one of these things? Yes like, Especially the do <laughs> they well, yeah, if they've been contracted by a government to go and collect it, do they bring it back? Do they decide to put it on the black market somehow? Um, or do they decide to use it for themselves in some either good or bad? Yeah, absolutely. ways like when you when you put anything of immense power in front of players, you have no idea. What's going to (laughs) happen? You know, at the very least, that it's a carrot on a string and that some of them are thinking, "Mm, I want to take it. (laughs) Yeah, I want to do it. I want to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I looked up 10th level spells while we were talking. Yeah. Good man. (laughs) (laughs) Even interesting things that aren't quite game breaking right out the gate. The so conduit yeah. where you, you literally open into the positive or negative material plane to pull forth magic, and you do it with another wizard for another wizard, boosting their power. It says at triple power is what their spells are cast at, <laughs> and they will not forget things currently memorized. Also, you could double the magic of a magic item by doing this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're so Jeez. powerful. Like the spells in themselves can be world-breaking, but in my mind, it's it's that overuse of the arcane that it's going to have repercussions even beyond the spell, but I love the way that Chris described it as like a magical arms race, because you would absolutely have like countries that would be worried about another country and how they have just cast the spell, and their answer would be like, we while we don't like using this spell we must do it in order to put an end to this other country using this spell and the world would be in a
0: lot of danger because of that totally yeah, yeah. the idea that it would also take a uh, amount of as well and even looking at it from hiring the Players to be the people that go get the resources necessary to be able to maybe cast the spell. Well, and
1: what happens if a resource is wrong, right? Like, oh, we got the blue crystal, but we were supposed to get the red crystal, but then you cast the spell anyway. Does nothing happen or does something even more crazy happen? Spell failure on a 10th level
0: spell level. (laughs) Something called deity bind, where you literally link your life force with the power of a chosen god. Yes, I saw there, that one. Even if you choose a major god, there's a fifty five percent chance it will work. Also, if you or the god die, you both die when it happens. Oh, geez. well. Now the gods <laughs> are getting involved <laughs>
1: in in what's happening in the material plane to a degree that they weren't before. Like it's now you have gods worried about mortals. Yeah. Well, and the idea kind of it of says things.
0: here there are also those religious. Yeah, there are also those that will seek out a god-linked individual to kill them, hopefully eliminating a rival god.
2: (laughs) So many things could go horribly wrong with this, and I love it. I love it. We know you do,
1: Chris, because we remember your top (laughs) ten.
2: Oh, I know. I know. They're good. They're good. Yeah, so Mitch, what is your number six for us?
1: My number six is actually something that I actually ran uh, for my players for the first time, and it's a continued adventure. Uh, The idea of the unending dungeon, a magically created dungeon that has absolutely no end. Adventurers go as far as they can, collecting loot and getting stronger as they go. When they eventually die, a new room is created where they are that room's boss battle. So any adventurers that die in this dungeon, they become part of it and they become another obstacle so that if this is something that you want to create to run players through. If you play with uh, players that have already played in it, they're, they're going to know that eventually they're going to come to that character that they created a while back as a boss. Or even like playing with new players and being able to be like, yeah, that boss that you just defeated, that was this person's character uh, from another playthrough that we went through. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that does make sense. I I like that idea a lot um, because anytime you can bring back bring mm-hmm. back old players' characters, it's always especially if they're still in uh, the campaigns with you in the future. It's always just fun to watch their face light up yeah. and to know, like you know, you and I both do epilogue nights, but yep. it could be one of those things that like a character went through this dungeon that you didn't realize went through this dungeon afterwards or a party that ending was
1: ambiguous so you you kind of have that freedom yeah
2: yeah their ending was ambiguous you know or it could be one of those things that like maybe their character did die but we never explained what the afterlife was like and for adventurers this is one of the options that they have in the afterlife oh man that'd be cool and so every every adventure party gets to see how far they go once they are all dead
1: yeah, maybe maybe you have to reach this level of prestige to get to it. Right, but like right. in the afterlife, certain adventurers will be able to get to this right. never-ending dungeon,
2: yeah. which could be a really fun, yeah, fun way just to be like. And now this is where we we get to rest. And like maybe they don't their characters don't spend all day every day, but like they're called upon when somebody finally does yeah. make it that far into the dungeon again. That they're just like zapped back there and now they have to do their dungeon quest, you know, as a part of their afterlife responsibilities.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool to tie it into a god specifically. Like, I'm thinking like, a, you know, Vikings like are like all about Valhalla. Like, I imagine like a, a certain battle uh, or dungeon delving type god, the... Characters that worship that god like that's their idea of the afterlife if if they follow that god well that they will in the afterlife become part get to go through this dungeon and then eventually become part of this dungeon uh, of the afterlife this unending dungeon. like what a cool like idea of a quote-unquote heaven for a character to be constantly like yearning for when they pass on
0: right yeah Yeah, the idea of making it I would also uh, trying to think of the right words because you want to tie it back to certain mechanics in fifth edition. So I would definitely use the term plane. And that way you can mm, do player yeah. travel or plane shift or things like that to get players there or potentially get players out. And the idea that it yes. is certainly this heaven kind of situation for certain creatures, but then also having the players' ability to go like in and out mm. whenever they want.
1: I like the idea, too, of, you know, you have that saying that we say here. that It's like, oh, you can't take it with you. But to this type of character, like, their thinking is like, no, absolutely. every Every piece of loot and magical equipment I will be taking with me to my final dungeon delve. And whatever I collect there will become part of me as I become part of the dungeon as well. Like, that they're going to be kind of like, yeah, no, this sword that I have, this magical... Uh, sword that i can throw in return like that's going to go with me to the afterlife as i go through the dungeon
0: okay we have to talk about it would it exist in both places In the idea like that material plane and heaven and the idea that you go and there's this character going through this dungeon and they go to swing their sword and it's gone because someone has raided the tomb. Oh gosh! Oh, man. <laughs> and the, but the but the reverse concept is potentially true because you're just sitting there, and they pick up a new sword, and it shows up on the material plane.
1: Yeah, that's well. That leads to more like religious um, ways that people are you know, like. We if when I die, I need to be buried in a tomb. It needs to be sealed tightly. Like if people take my sword, <laughs> I'm not going to have it in the eternal dungeon. Like. So, yeah, like, burial is really important to these these
0: worshippers of
1: this god in this dungeon. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: And what qualifies as item? Oh, I'm just, I'm thinking of so many things. Like, is there basically a way that you can now communicate? Because you can send things back and forth, if you will. Is it like we're watching The Lake House with Keanu Reeves and Santa Bullock? <laughs> I mean, pretty much.
1: This is not the turn I thought we were going to. Nope,
0: but I had to. <laughs> So we should probably move on to the next idea after my terrible yeah. statement. Yeah, this is number five,
2: right?
1: Yeah. So my okay. number five. So this is the one, Chris, that I had to change because I recognize that my idea was pretty much on par with your idea about um, a the gods creating this arena battle, right? Like, oh, sure, for yep. mortals, and so, and we we talked about that, and we kind of riffed, and and I <laughs> I realized that. The, th- the ideas that I threw out about your top 10 were completely from my top 10. So I was like, oh, I need <laughs> to change this completely. So, But we're sticking with that idea that the gods are creating this arena battle. But I'm going to take it a step further and say that the most powerful beings of each universe, because I've entitled this the tournament of the multiverse, have been summoned by the gods to do battle. Their prize, the prize for the winners is the continuation of their chosen universe. And so you're bringing together all different characters from different multiverses into one place to do battle. Maybe it's like this this world in between worlds. And if you win, your universe continues. If you lose, your universe is destroyed.
0: Show me what you got. <laughs> now, okay, so speaking of TV
1: shows, I mentioned it during Chris's last uh, top 10, but this is 100% influenced from Dragon Ball Z oh, Super. Oh, yeah, uh, The plot of this. Totally. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I knew Chris at the end, watched it. Uh, but, but I love that idea, and I love the idea of, like, with the multiverse... Imagine having your players. I, I think this would be a great adventure at the end of an adventure. You've you've gone with these characters, and you go, okay, now what is the next step? We've finished the campaign. They've become really powerful. Now you take them to this multiverse battle, and on the other side, maybe there's a team that looks just like the PCs but they're like a dark version of them, evil universe side, or like they've chosen differently. So they they have different power sets and uh, having to battle yourself from a different multiverse.
0: I also don't want the people that were in the battle to die. Uh, So let's say they lose and their, their universe is destroyed. But then in kind of this twisted way, the gods don't want to kill these Super powerful people, obviously, for the next time they want to do this. So they all just get yeah. dumped into the surviving universe. The one universe. Because you could still continue the story and how Yeah. the RP behind we've lost and we've lost our universe, but we're still here. Well, some of them
1: would be filled with hate and want to kill the winners. In fact probably multiple of the losers would want to do that.
0: <laughs> or figure out a way to get all the Dragon Balls and wish back that, wait, nope, wait. Uh, and, or figure out a way to try and undo it or seek revenge. Not Because other players could see it as they won, but that's not their fault. We weren't in this situation because the winners chose for us to be. We need to figure out how to like topple this cabal of deities so that they don't do this to someone else.
2: Yeah, I think that's the interesting part of like, You know, especially if the winners are like, yeah, this is great and all, but this also stinks Mm -hmm. for millions and millions and millions of people. So how do we now then prevent the gods from doing this ever again? Almost as a sense of like, we can't take this back. We're really sorry about this. We didn't maybe didn't know that this was going to happen, but we'll work our hardest to prevent this from happening to anybody else in the future. I think is a really interesting way of going about dealing with what happened because you won. Absolutely, yeah, and I—I I mean,
1: I can't—I can't say it enough. Dragon Ball Super. If you haven't seen it, and this is an idea that interests you, watch it because it'll give you great ideas. I just imagine the role-playing opportunities of your—you're having these PCs uh, role-played by players, and especially if they're good characters with good hearts, like having to fight for their universe, knowing that every time they take down an enemy, it's another universe that might potentially then be destroyed because of it. Yeah, Like, the toll that that's going to have as they're going through this battle, and yes, they may be winning, but in a very different way, they're not.
2: Yeah, loads of potential there for crazy things to happen, and then you get the one person that's like, bent on destroying the entire universe and this is the easy way for him. To Which escape, they're obviously you know? yeah. going
0: to do by working together to get a 10th level spell.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that will then. answer freezer right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: oh man. All right, Mitch, what is your number four for us? My
1: number four is actually something that you could tie into, especially with Neil's idea of uh, number five and taking all of the champion's Uh, Well, and even the losers that were part of that battle and putting them into one world. Because my number four is drafted by the gods. The gods are at war and they have chosen the material plane for their battleground. Some gods fight and mankind is little more than insignificant casualties. But some gods are recruiting mortals
2: to their cause. What are they doing with them?
0: Yeah. So, using
1: them as, as the right. army or eight yeah, agents, uh, among, uh, I mean, it, I've always liked the idea of God weapons. And so right. I'm imagining gods granting mortals, uh, these, these God weapons and sending them off to assassinate other gods.
0: Infinity
1: Blade.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just imagine like what happens after all of the war is done. Like, if gods just start going mad and start handing out all of these powerful weapons and items, and now it's done and over with, like do the weapons disappear or do now all of these people just have items, you know, or, ooh, or instead of 10th level spells, were these people when they died buried with their weapons? And now those are start the things that are starting to resurface again in the future, mm. tying that back in to another one of your top 10s.
1: Well, and I think that, yeah, and I think that this would be a good episode, like a good idea if you wanted to take this top 10 idea and run with it to listen to, I don't remember the exact episode, but uh, the episode on death of a god with uh, Aram that we had, yeah. because we had so many good ideas about that, and yeah, if you're being part of a god army and you destroy another god, that god dies, and that god is the God of the forest, do then all the forests start to die? Or then the other question of, like, can somebody then take up that god's mantle and become that god? Um, there's all these, yeah, repercussions. And certainly this, this war of gods that your PCs are now recruited into should have consequences that are world-altering and universe-altering good and bad.
0: I'm trying to remember if it was one of our previous top tens where we talked about Mm. the idea that there was just this spear that showed up outside of the town. Yeah, that was one of my ideas. Just that idea falls in really well. And then also like who's attached maybe at this point going off of your idea to that spear. And so then they just show up and they start recruiting people very specifically.
1: Yeah, that could be that could be like the shot heard around the world, right? Mm -hmm. The first the first spear thrown in this God's War. And that that little town where maybe your PCs are at, they, they're they just like, what the heck? What's going on here? And yeah. then from there, it starts to become clear that the gods are fighting, and they start coming into your little town, and some of them are recruiting. And yeah, it could be a, a good catalyst event.
2: Yeah, It's great. <laughs> so Mitch, tell us about your number three.
1: My number three is entitled The Darkness Below, a curse falls upon the world and the surface of the planet is covered with a deadly mist. Go watch the movie The Mist, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right. Not the TV show. Uh, Civilization had to move to the skies. Airships, gargantuan golems with cities on their backs. This is now where mortals live and fear what lies below.
2: Yeah, my mind is, like, running wild with, like, why is the mist there, or is well, it... why is
1: it... Yeah, why is it dangerous? Is it poison? Yeah. Or right. Are there creatures within it that, like, are just so ridiculous? Like, so can adventurers in this world go down to the surface and survive for a certain amount of time? Maybe there's jobs that adventurers have to do to go to the surface to bring back materials, but it's just such yeah. a dangerous place. Or, yeah, is it completely... You can't go down because it's just like, it's just so deadly. You'll die as soon as you go down there.
2: Yeah. I mean, my my general thought is like, I don't like the idea of it being poisonous. I like the adventure aspect of like still being able to go down there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, is it like something from the Underdark has leaked out and yeah. now like all of these creatures that they didn't know about down below the depths from the depths of the earth are now able... To come out, and that's why, because they can't see anything because it's so dark and so foggy that they can't see anything, but these creatures are able to just run wild, and so people either have to create ways to disperse the fog to go and get materials real quick, or they have to, just by trial and error, figure out when the safest times to go into the fog are uh, to get what they need and bring it back to either the floating islands or the golems or whatever sorts of ways they're now yeah. living above the surface i don't know if this
1: si- is scientifically accurate but we've all heard that idea of um certain fish will grow to a size that will fit their environment right mm-hmm. like with yeah, fish goldfish tank, things, things like that so like yeah so it is like, yeah a lot true. of like if you take a, a lot land, of fish yeah. will yeah so yeah, like
0: uh, oscar which yeah. is a really common one like based on the size of your okay. tank mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, there's a limit, right? Yes. Like, I'm just gonna,
0: but yeah, totally. So,
1: yeah. with that idea and with what you just presented, Chris, like now I'm imagining like in this dystopian world, adventurers going down to the the dark mist covered surface, and a beholder being this gargantuan beholder. Coming at them, right? Because maybe that's part of the Underdark was that beholders were the size they were, but now having freedom on the surface world, they have grown and mutated to be 100 eye stock beholders <sighs> that are like ginormous inside just, and, and this, so
2: this picture that i have in my head is just of like a beholder submarine that like can't <laughs> can't stay out in the light for too long yeah but like all of a sudden you'll just see one eye stalk pop up above the <laughs> above the yes. mist and like look around see if there's oh any that's great people coming and then go back down underneath but like you could have creatures that do that all the time like you could have like for example, you know, if you had a big worm all of a sudden, like a, a purple worm or something that now is not confined by oh, the space gosh. that it's in. World but worm. you see like you see like part of its its back like crest over, you know, the fog and you're like on this floating island, like, nope, not a good time to go down right now, <laughs> you know? Because about- you're seeing all of these creatures that are like barely breaking through the fog now because they're not constrained by, you know, the the limits of the under underdark that's there lies
1: a a job that adventurers have to go down because you know if the if the city on the back of the golem needs to go somewhere well these giant world worms are creating holes in the planet and we don't want like we can't see the ground because of the mist so we have to go down and make sure that there's not a giant worm created hole in front of the golem that he falls into and the whole entire city is destroyed So just like making sure that the way is clear for the, the golem city to walk because of
0: creatures that oh, are yeah.
2: wrecking
1: havoc upon the
0: planet.
2: Yeah. Jeez.
0: Also, I just thought about like <laughs> like 20 foot tall drought, but then I was like, no, that's dumb. No uh... oh, gosh. But 20 foot tall
1: mind flayers, giant oh, gosh. mind flayers. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> a different story.
2: Terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Put oh, it back in your brain. so Mitch what is your number two for us
1: so my number two is actually a campaign that I really would like to play at a point in the future for my own world Um, and I have called it the world before the world so the the question here is if you have a homebrew world what was your world was there a world before the current state of of the world like how did your world come about was it created by the gods and was it just nothingness before because if the answer is yes it was just nothingness then maybe this one isn't for you but what was the world like before the current world came into existence so for my world uh, the the gods came and they shaped the world of Atos into what it is created the mortal races but before they got there the world was this completely devastated place that was a war zone between giants and dragons. And so when they got there, the giants had all but lost the war and the entire world was covered in, in ash and covered in dragons. And so the new gods coming in, they chased all these dragons away. So I would love to play a campaign where my players unbeknownst to them, are playing giants in this world before and have there be a reveal somewhere along the line that they are giants and they're fighting dragons constantly and that this is Atos before Atos came to be. What are you guys' thoughts on, obviously it doesn't have to be that specific way, but a world-before-the-world type of campaign or setting?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's important to think about what was there before like cuz it sounds like you're talking about what was there before the humanoid races yep. of like the world that, you know, we normally think of. But I think it'd be interesting like no matter what your um what's the word I'm looking for? Like if if you were to take your example for for what you have, if all of a sudden like because I know you have a multiverse, if somebody from a different universe like sometime later traveled here and then they were like the Mm -hmm. small people in the midst of dragons and (laughs) and giant races and like either the giants or the um dragons are trying to recruit them because they're so small and undetectable to like do the dirty work for them you know like that could be really interesting i think to play that sort of campaign
0: well it, it makes me think of that old twilight zone episode where you have the person well whatever if you haven't seen it i'm gonna spoil like a 50 year old (laughs) twilight zone episode i think i think you're yeah but basically there's this weird small astronaut and it seems like these normal sized people are battling it only to come to find out that it was uh, like a u.s crashed spaceship that landed on this world of giants so it's all about perspective because the other thing i thought was that you were going to tell well, the other thing I thought was that it was going to be the players are the gods reshaping the world. That would be another cool way yeah. to go through it. Because, again, know? it's all about perspective when you're looking at a world that exists in a different way. The other one I thought was that it was going to be like Fruity Land from Rick and Morty. But I was like, not oh, a gosh. chance. <laughs> But I think it's a really, really cool way, especially if you needed like a one-shot, and maybe it was a one-shot that really helped explain the origin of the world that was helpful for the campaign that you're in. And, of course, it could be an an entire campaign. But I I like that. I like that a lot, especially with – I think a big thing for me is having that reveal of, like, oh, yeah, you guys are actually giants. Wait, what? Right,
1: right. I – well, and even – you guys have added like all these different like ways you could go with it and you guys brought in like these sci-fi elements and now i'm like wondering if the pcs like are they travel through time whether they know it or they don't know it and i feel like don't know is even more interesting and all of a sudden yeah like i think chris you were the one that said like what if they like get recruited by uh the giants yeah. and you have these small like the giants could see these these warriors as like these amazing assassins that can sneak into places that they can't but then like as you're playing maybe there you come across some sort of monument or something now, now I'm thinking like planets of the apes like where they come across the statue of liberty only it would be like <laughs> yeah, in right. reverse right like that it, it like this is before it this thing was destroyed this old ruin in your world that everybody's familiar with but it's at the peak of its glory it's it's beautiful it's new and this reveal of like we are not in the same time i guess you could do this whole thing in reverse order too and do the world after the world what kind of like apocalypse happened that changes your world um and maybe thousands of years uh tens of thousands of years millions of years later what does your world look like has it redeveloped which makes me think of uh, the time machine uh, mm. book and movie oh, yeah. that kind of deals with that. But
2: yeah, I, I think there's also that the world before the world and the world after the world. Either of those are fascinating potential uh, places. I mean, you could pull in some like old Gamma World stuff to try and do oh, some yeah. post-apocalyptic stuff. And um, yeah, I think there's no shortage of possibilities for that.
1: And so you just have that reveal planned out that th- you you weren't playing. Hopping, You weren't traveling to a different plane of existence, which might be you might throw it out there as that's kind of what you everybody's thinking. But then later on, you find out that, yeah, it is it is the same world. It is the same plane, but it's before or after a long time from when your your PCs are used to. Totally. I like it and i could think of ways to like keep that kind of building up to that campaign for for myself i've added into uh campaigns that we've played through little like hints i guess or whatever you would call it easter eggs uh where the players will come across a giant skeleton that is far larger than any giant that they've sure. ever come across and so just introducing little elements throughout your campaigns to this ultimate campaign that you want to play in the future could be pretty cool because eventually when you play that all the players might go oh man like i remember we came across that thing and it made no sense to us at that time
2: and now it totally does does. and how to not metagame (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right mitch last one blow us away with your number one
1: all right, well here it goes. My number one is memories of the fallen, and it's kind of a little bit like the last one, exploring memories of fallen people, civilizations, uh, histories in your world. Uh, I I thought of this idea of whether you you give these their your PCs an adventure where they need to collect history and knowledge that has been forgotten uh for whatever reason it is uh, maybe to avoid an upcoming catastrophe to the world uh to stop history from happening again your pcs have been given this power to see old memories of fallen heroes or old memories of even fallen monsters or the history of objects like ruins. And so your campaign could be a whole bunch of one shots where they're traveling and going to the tomb of a fallen hero and they use their power and then they are put into the memory and they take over the persona of past heroes of your world playing through different timelines. And what I think is really cool is you could even bring back old PCs and let your players play either their old PCs or PCs that like their friend next to them played. Cause that would be the cool thing of like, Oh my gosh. Like you start describing this old PC and the one player who, who got to play them at one point is like, Oh cool. And then you point and you're like, and you, you, the person next to him, you're playing that, that character in this story. But to be able to play through old timelines, old histories and see how things go, which interact with, I mean, you have to give your players agency. So that might, end up being the way that the campaign goes because your players play through the history and reveal how the history went as you go.
0: I think that's really really fun especially because let's be honest if there's anyone that has the old character sheets it's probably you as the DM. Oh, yeah. uh, um in fact let's be honest, it's probably the person who has the new character sheets because I don't trust uh, <laughs> a handful of my players. And the other thing I thought was figuring out how that looks. Um, admittedly last night I watched frozen 2, And that's, there's an element where Elsa is in like the memories and seeing how that looks. Or the other thing I thought was guardians of the galaxy. And I feel like star Lord had that, had something and then it kind of showed how the world looked before but it's all the ruins as he's trying to find the the orb that had the um infinity stone in it so i think figuring out what it looks like is a really fun element as well i mean and it could just look like they're actually there and there's nothing different than if they were right down the way
2: well, yeah i mean i was thinking like you could do a campaign in the same timeline that has nothing to do with the other campaign that already happened but you still like that ruler's name sounds familiar. Why does that sound familiar? You know? And then you're in a town and it's like, oh, you see, you know, like we used to do the Riders of Shemesh. You see uh, like a, a a vest of the Riders of Shemesh and you're like, what's happening here? You know? Yeah, you
1: drop mm-hmm. that. You you slowly give that reveal mm-hmm. so people start mm-hmm. picking up. But yeah, and then you finally have a big reveal, whether
2: it's a, a PC of the past or an NPC or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Or is it like they're on the opposite side during this time, you know? and like mm-hmm. you're trying to counteract oh, everything that, that's that happened in the other one you know to see if see if you can even possibly undo it in some way oh wow yeah yeah you you could literally find the the tomb of
1: a past villain and play through that as like the villain and his his closest henchmen or a monster or something like that and play through storylines of that what i like about it too is it could get if you're giving the players agency to like set these like new stories and these new histories like I feel like it really lets your players be a part of the world building for you kind of like if you go back to the other idea where Chris you had the idea of the players playing the gods coming in you real and then going all right what I mean, this would have to probably be with a without a predetermined map, but if they were then able to create the world as they saw fit, you're really giving your players a lot of agency to create a world um, the way that they want to
0: create the world and the histories. It doesn't even have to be that far in the past because it could be that they step into an area where this large battle just happened. And so then they're reliving that memory, and then you basically jump back to where you are and the choices that they made are affecting what they're seeing now. And so then because yeah. like you said the farther they go back the depending on where they go and what they're doing there's only so much they can do without like changing everything that's already happening. Well, I guess
1: that's a good a good question to ask is are they replaying through a memory something that's already predetermined even though the players have agency like this is how it happened. Or are they changing events of the past? Because if they're changing events of the past, that opens a new door of when, when a PC of that campaign falls, can they use this power on that PC to change the past to lead up to the point where something different happens and that PC does not lose their life? Oh, that's a tough one.
0: You get, whatever your time travel rules are, <laughs> make them and stick to them. Because, because yeah, that's stick to
1: them just like every that's the, al- movie does.
0: That's the only thing rules. is it doesn't matter what your rules are as long as you stick to them.
2: That, that that's not true. Some of them are just terrible. Okay, no,
0: no, no. <laughs> that's just my bare minimum. That, it's my bare minimum, and no one's doing it. Do okay, not stick to I just their rules. I, I don't care how bad they are. Just please, just follow them. You set them. Yeah. What are we doing?
2: Well, sweet Mitch, we did it. We got through your top. Yeah, 10, yeah, and we, we got did. through all three of our top tens it's awesome yes 30 new ideas (laughs) yeah crazy
1: unless we did some repeats which (laughs) might Yeah, for
2: sure uh (laughs) just a reminder to everyone that we are going to do an ama so stick to stay tuned for that um be sure to get your questions in on twitter or through email we'll be sure it doesn't have to just be about what we normally talk about it can be about anything uh in life so we want to be able to do that for you guys to be able to be sure to get those in neil if our listeners want to get in touch with us how would they do that
0: you can find me at my house at no, I'm just kidding. You can always <laughs> email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you like this episode or any of the others and you see fit, head over to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a five star review, which we'll read on air.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block, that's at DMS block, or you can like our Facebook page. Both of those places are great places to go if you want to keep. Yourself knowledgeable about the updates that are happening with the show.
0: The Dungeon Master's Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Geek Wars, and more.
2: Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the most important person in the game, the Dungeon Master, the only person capable of playing God, killing
0: characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. And Neil, I'm taking it back from you. Have a good night, everyone. All right. You stay classy, blockheads. And keep
1: on dungeon mastering.
2: It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice.
0: To help balance magic items in the game, if it's not on the mini, it's not in your inventory. Goodbye.